0: Today's episode is brought to you by Diane Kinlaw of Go Prime Mortgage and Jamie Tulak
1: of EXP Realty. I had one guy come in who he'd broken his neck, gotten hooked on painkillers, and there he got hooked on heroin, robbed a bank. He came to work for me right after he'd gotten out of prison. He's a really sharp guy. So it took a really long time to build up trust and to be able to speak to him. And after a while, he was like, What you've done for me, can we hire somebody else? You know, this is after a couple of years. And he was like, yeah, like when you came and did the intervention with my family and you came out with my parole officer and you came to the, you know, this, can you do that for this guy? And I was like, no, but if you would like to, you know what this looks like. You can hire this guy. So yeah. he took what he'd been taught, what he'd been given. And then he went and was discipling and hiring yeah. this other guy. And I think the verse it's in Ephesians or it says, you know, those that have stolen put them to work with their hands so they have something to give to those in need. And we read that one morning and he just just struck him. He was like, that's me. I was a seafood stall and you put me to work with my hands and now I have something good to give to those that are in need. And I actually just spoke with him uh, two weeks ago and he's back at NC State and will be graduating hopefully in May with his chemical engineering degree. Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that.
0: Welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff show. I'm Joe Wilworth. This I'm
2: is Joshua.
0: This is a show where we help you get on stock, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? And today, very excited, our guest in the studio is Thomas Maldonado. Welcome.
1: Good morning. Could
0: you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your business, Landscape Solutions?
1: Well, I was born and raised here in Cary, North Carolina. Um, One of the natives. Landscape Solutions. We started about 10 years ago and started out just me with a lawnmower, a blower, a borrowed weed eater, <laughs> just out there just trying to make some money. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it's grown into in the last 10 years is pretty amazing.
0: So 10 whole years you've been doing this. You started out on a bootstrap budget. You just made it work. And 10 years later, what's your company look like now?
1: Um, now we do full service, uh, custom design and install. We take care of the Northwest Cary YMCA, which is a 38 acre property. You still borrow weed eaters? I got one, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it to work.
0: Um, what was going on in your life, the time you start? You decided to start? What led you to that
1: decision? <laughs> well, what led me there was I'd lost everything else. Really. My foolish decisions as a, as a young man led to me losing everything that had defined me as me. And so out of that compression, I mean, I, I lost both my kids for a period of time. I was going through a divorce and two custody battles. All at the same time, I decided to quit my job just because I figured I lost everything else. and might as well go all the way down to the bottom. And then at yeah, the beginning of 2011 into 2010, I really didn't have a choice. It was i need to make some sort of living and some sort of money and what i knew how to do was take care of a yard and actually the first project that i did on my own was for a realtor who had a house that had been on the market for i don't know nine months he said can you make this house look good to sell and i probably lost money because i made it look so good but it sold within one day mm-hmm. and so 10 years ago that was substantial And so from there, we just launched into doing renovations.
0: Uh, Yeah, that was before houses were being sold immediately. Mm -hmm. At what point did you feel like this isn't just me trying to do something? Did it start out as a passion? Because it sounds like it started out as I need to do something to make money. But I know you now and I know you today and And you're you're passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. And how did you get from I'm doing this to survive to I'm doing this because like when I talk to you now, It feels like when you're talking, I'm doing this because this is what I was meant to do.
1: I had no idea what I wanted out of life. I I had started landscaping in high school. And so I think it started to form a passion in me. I started working with a landscape architect. I was installing the designs that he would do. And he was fresh out of NC State. And after a few years, I started changing those designs. I would be in the middle of something. I'd be like, that rock's in the wrong place. I'm going to change the shape of where these trees are and it just struck me i was an artist i didn't realize that i had that that eye or that gifting to create an outdoor space that was inviting yeah and so it, kind of by accident i just learned to really fall in love with creating a space that that people felt welcomed outside
0: what did the first thing look like where it went from me as a hobby to me having a crew
1: oh that was that was tough yeah um, <laughs> and i mean a big a big piece of how how i got started i went to i got i got involved in ministry really it was down at the homeless shelter in downtown raleigh the, there's no other way to describe it i i went on a faith journey of my own i was like i want to figure out who this jesus guy is if he's real i want to know everything there is to know about him and if he's not real i want to understand why people believe that he is and what what happened i mean it, it's a longer story i went to jerusalem spent time with a rabbi so i could ask him hard questions stayed at a monastery so i could interview the monk and be like, what are you really doing here? Like, are you just here because you can't handle the real world, or or why are you here? And what I discovered was that the interactive presence of Jesus and the relationship that I could have with him now was far more tangible than I'd heard about in church. And So So
0: wait, a lot of people think, like, I wonder if there's anything to this Christianity thing, but not a lot of people, like, pack up and go to Jerusalem. Why did you choose to go you figure this is where it started. I'm going to head over. Yeah. If if I'm
1: going to go, I'm going to go, you know, i kind of live up to my, my name, you know, Thomas, the the downing Thomas. I'm (laughs) I'm going to go and touch and see. Yeah. And know that this is real because I, my character and my heart would not let me put the weight of my life behind something that I didn't, absolutely 100% fully stand behind.
0: What kind of plan did you have? Did you just buy a ticket, show up, and be like, that looks like a pretty spiritual place, and just um, walk in? Or? I, had,
1: I had friends that were going to Istanbul, okay, and so I tagged along, stayed in Istanbul, bought tickets off a vendor on the street for cash to go to Ephesus. ended up in Ephesus, which was amazing, and then I spent a weekend in Jerusalem. I had no plans. I had an Airbnb with this rabbi, and I ended up making some friends with some locals, inviting me to dinner. Invited me to go to Palestine with them the next day. I mean, I could tell you many, many stories. So how
0: did you end up in a monastery?
1: My stepdad uh, was going to stay at this monastery in Tizay. And he said, oh, you should should come. And I thought, no, I don't need to go. And about a month before they were going, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I want to see what this is really about. And so that's why I ended up in France, which is actually where I met my wife. So.
0: Bada bing, bada bang.
2: And she's here with
0: us today. Say hello. Hi. That's, so this is crazy. Like I wanted to talk about landscaping a bit, but now we got to jump into this because this is, so you jump on a plane and and you're on a journey that you described as like a faith journey of your own. And. What in the heck is it like staying in a monastery? You just like walk up, like ring the ring doorbell, like beep, bing. So somebody video chats with you, and they're like, "Hello, what would you like?" Oh, they can't talk. What is it like?
1: So <laughs> can I can they talk? I was actually late, so you're supposed to go. You sign up. You stay for a week. Today, I mean, there's you know four to five thousand people that go and stay here. It's a big youth. youth so they're event. built for that. They're it's built. Like, they're built for they're that. They're built
0: for you to come visit and stay a week. Mm-hmm. And
1: and there there's a program they run through, and there's you know prayer three times a day, there's mealtime, you get a job preparing food, you're in a, in a kind of a small group with people from around the world.
0: Um, so it's set up for people like on similar paths that you were on, just trying to figure out if there's anything to this. Just,
1: just to be there. Just yeah. flew over on uh, direct, I think, here to Paris. Got on the high-speed train and I fell asleep. Okay. Uh, I woke up in Marseille. <laughs> you're totally by yourself. You're totally, just traveling totally by, by yourself. myself. I was about four hours by high-speed train out of the way, which means, I don't know, six to eight hours away. At the dead end where all the trains are stopped. Yeah. And I get out and no one speaks English.
0: English. Was there a moment where you thought you were in the right spot? And you're like, okay. I
1: here I, I did go. until I saw the ocean. And then I realized this was not <laughs> the isn't middle that supposed of France. To be an ocean? <laughs> and so I, I, I managed to to find my way by holding up, you know, a sign to Zay. People pointed me in the right direction eventually. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. There's this bus station and there's these kids that are like ten 12 just going up hopping on the bus know where they're going and i'm there with this sign like pointing at it so wow looking like lost like a puppy dog to every single bus driver you know that came by
0: so <laughs> what a metaphor for where you were at in your life yeah. too like i'm just freaking lost yeah. somebody pointing to this spot i'm looking for this oh. oh so then you finally made it to the monastery what was it like so you're in the monastery what job did you get
1: Um, because I arrived late, uh, they did not give me a job. There was one other American that I had met there and, uh, but English is common as an international language. And so we were divided up into language groups. And so I had a small group that we would meet with and there would be a few questions that the brothers provided throughout the day. And then we would just discuss, you know,
0: what that meant. Where is this in the landscape solutions journey? Were you doing it for a while? And this was like in the middle. Was this before? This was
1: right, right in the middle. Right in the middle. Uh, Mm -hmm. This would be 20... My wife knows dates. 14. 2014. So, what
0: happened with the business during this time of exploration? Did you just push it on pause?
1: Oh, I pushed it on pause. Yeah, it was me. I was artisan, so I would create a project, I would schedule a project, and then while I was gone.
0: So, were you doing pretty well that you saved up enough to make this work, or um, did you just kind of I be like, "I got to do this"? Pretty and I'm doing well. It. I,
1: I would say it was okay. I yeah. was, I was making a living.
0: Did you have a house and apartment? I, yeah, I've got a
1: house. Um, sublet it? What'd you do? I, I bought the house that I'm currently in when I was 19, okay. so I've been there for a long time now. So,
0: so you just ask the neighbors to keep an eye keep on. Get the mail every once in a while. Come <laughs> Check the mail. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's not overflowing, so mm-hmm. people don't know to come steal everything. Okay. So back to the monastery. You're late. You didn't get the job. Uh, yeah. No job assignment for you. But you're in a small group. When you, when you finally got to people that spoke English, like what, what did you tell them? Like, I'm here for, I'm Thomas, I'm here for.
1: So uh, (laughs) this this is great. This, this goes to how I actually met my wife. So I, I had no idea how to interact with Europeans. You know, I was just dumb and so we're that's waiting. where
0: dumb americans think we earned oh, it because oh, yeah. i went to europe and i'm like yeah i get it like yeah. i'm dumb i'm yeah. like i can't order anything i can't talk to anybody like so google translate but it was a new thing when you were there
1: so so there <laughs> i am standing in line for food just standing waiting and i was like i'm gonna tell some jokes i'm gonna get some people to laugh you know this might work classic american yeah so <laughs> so so i turn around to uh, whoever was standing behind me, and, and it happened to be uh, wow. my future bride, and I was like, "Big fan of jokes, huh?" I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like "Hey, knock knock,
0: nope.
1: right?" And what? Because
0: <laughs> I had no idea what it means, knock knock.
1: And I was like, "Well, you're supposed to say who's there."
0: And I'm and, like, "Who's there?"
1: And uh, I said, "Little old lady, little old lady, who?" I didn't know you could yodel. <laughs> <laughs> Ah man, I forgot
2: you told me that one before. See, I don't even remember it.
1: <laughs> so I, I brought out my top and quality. That was,
2: the it was best. still
0: funny. That
1: was the A game joke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it didn't work. She just looked at me and, and had a cold, blank stare. Yeah, that just...
0: was not funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but what was it about Thomas? Yeah,
0: how did it turn if, into? If, it,
2: if the joke bombed, what survived with Thomas in that moment?
0: I think his eyes. <laughs> oh. You're like, bad jokes, but decent eyes. Yeah, <laughs> Let's see what's here. <laughs> All right, so you take a week and a half off of work to go to a completely different country to stay in a monastery. You're ordering food. You tell a bad joke, <laughs> and uh, it starts the the love of your life relationship, which is awesome, but probably not why you went. You went over there knowing that you wanted something. Sounds like you end up getting what you needed. I love that part of a story. Tell me more about the monastery experience and what it kind of led to. Did you find an answer to your question about the, the faith journey?
1: Yes, but it was an answer that I already had. And so it really just illuminated something that I knew and made it sink from something cerebral to, to a heart level. And so part of that time there is is the prayer time is spent where you have uh, very slow, just kind of methodical songs, a little bit of scripture, and then what feels like 20 minutes of silence. And the first time sitting in silence with 4,000 other people is super awkward. Wow. And after...
0: There's 4,000 people at this place?
1: 4,000 people, imagine all sitting in silent prayer together. Okay. And so after and I was journaling like three or four times a day because I wanted to record every single thing because I didn't want to become one of those crazy Christians and like yeah. not know how I got there.
0: What is the name of this monastery?
1: Tize. Uh, Tize. And so... Um, you
0: spell it? I'm going to try t- to look a- it up, and
1: I won't get there. T-A-I-Z-E. Yeah. T-A-I-Z-E. Okay. There were several moments that were impactful for me. One of them is I brought a book with me overseas to give away to someone, and... There was a lady that was in one of my groups who had struggled with PTSD and near the end of the week, I said, Hey, I don't know if this means anything, but I actually brought this book with me and I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. She said, I've been looking for like years in the Netherlands for a book by this author. Cause I heard him speak one time and I haven't been able to find one. And she's like, here you are giving me like the exact copy of a book that I've been looking for, which was just, just the Lord showing me in his own way, that I was where I needed to be doing what I needed to be doing so that he could minister to others through me in that way. And the other really significant moment, and that I think will transition to us coming back and what's going on with Landscape Solutions, I'll let my wife kind of share share this part because this is right at the end of my journey there.
0: We had interacted several times, and I, just, I wanted to share something with him, and I come, come up to him and, and say that, I normally don't share these things but I really see Jesus in your eyes and don't lose it I I had never met someone who who had such a light in their eyes and who would be so present
1: but what she didn't know was she was the third person in the course of probably two months that had said almost that exact same phrase uh, once was on a houseboat in Kentucky met this guy that was from I think he was from Switzerland who just pulled me aside and very directly told me and then i was in jerusalem and a vendor on the street just a sales guy pulled me aside and told me almost this exact same thing and then here i am at this monastery and this beautiful angel lady here is saying the same thing and it just i don't know at that moment it it took that made a big difference when i came home i love it
2: jerusalem a monastery in france and a houseboat in kentucky (laughs) You just can't escape Jesus. Yeah.
0: So tell us about how that affected your life when you got home.
1: So I, I got home and I realized that I wasn't called to be separated from the world, like in a monastery setting that I was called to be in the world, but not of the world. And I really wanted to be fully participating in what it meant to be part of the world. And so with my company, I started doing ministry. And so originally it was just me. I would go down to the Wilmington street shelter. We'd go every Thursday. We had a very relational ministry we'd bring food and clothes. to these guys were down there. I learned lots of really hard lessons. Uh, I was thinking that I was there to help them and really they were there to help me from that. I discovered that these guys were on the street because they had gotten out of prison and had no one there to help them. I asked the guy how he's doing and he started weeping. He said, I've been out of prison for six weeks. Not a single person has asked me how I'm doing. And so from there i was like i'm gonna get involved in the prison ministry we got to get back a step we got to catch these guys before they're on the street and so i got involved with the prison ministry did my training went in and i went into the prison and it's the nicest place like the lights are bright the guys are clean cut they're excited to talk with you and i was like this is too easy and so i <laughs> I, I went once and i was like no that's not that's not for me i got involved with a transition house mike shank runs it called pardon by christ back when he had one one house years ago and I was doing these Bible studies and I was doing my work on one side and my ministry, you know, five to six different small groups throughout the week because I, I couldn't love people enough because I'd been loved so much. It's like, I couldn't stop it. I just had to, had to share it. And I was at the small group at the house one night and this guy had gotten out of prison that day and I needed help on a job site the next day. And I said, Hey, do you want to come work with me tomorrow? He said, yes, sir. So I went and I picked him up the next morning. And on my crew at the time, I had this kid who, he was going through some hard times. He was 18, 19, starting to dabble in some drugs. And I'd been trying to talk to him, but he'd put up a wall against me. He just didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And so I put these two guys working together, 25 feet away, digging in the dirt, and I can hear their conversation. And so this guy, who's just gotten out of prison the day before, had gotten saved while he was in, he went to prison for the same drugs and the same foolishness that this kid was starting to get involved in. And so this kid was just looking at him, just soaking it all in. And at that moment, it struck me. I was like, hold, hold on a second. He, he's working. He's, he's getting paid. He's also working. He's getting paid. As a company, we're, we're making money today, but God's actually being glorified in all that we're doing. And so at that moment, I said, sign me up for more of that. That, that makes sense. That's where the real passion um, and drive kind of started and sprung from to where we are today.
0: You got the opportunity to realize that your values, the things that you really wanted to spend your time doing, didn't conflict with your job, but in fact they could be the same if you just made a little tweak. Mm-hmm. We've heard other people on the show describe understanding your whys, and then that'll be the thing that drives you to keep doing the main thing. Which is not an oftentimes, for the people that really seem to understand this principle, in your case, landscaping. It's usually not that that's the main passion when you peel all the way back to it, but it's a vehicle for achieving the main passion. And the people that have that figured out, it seems like, are the ones that end up being long-term successful in what they're trying to do. And so you had that light bulb moment, you saw this happen. How did you be like, now I need to do this. Cause we've talked to other people like the Anderson's from Anderson painting, who they, they got, they got their hearts excited about helping people who are refugees. And so they hire a lot of refugees or, or make a medical, it got excited about helping veterans. So they hire a lot of veterans. And it, so how did you go about saying, all right, I need to make this a bigger part of my strategy for my company. So it got
1: really messy. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: love that. <laughs>
0: Our title sponsors for this show are Diane Kinlaw and Jamie Tulak. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or wish to refinance, why not seek the counsel of a friend who happens to know the triangle housing market better than the back of her hand? As your local lender, Diane Kinlaw knows how important this area is to you because it's her home too. That's why she's made it a goal not to just be the best loan officer around, but a community leader supporting small businesses with referrals and networking events and supporting local charities with frequent fundraisers. If you're looking to move to Holly Springs or the surrounding area, or maybe interested in a refinance to lower your term or rate, Diane offers a wide array of programs to fit your family's needs. Let her be a part of your path home. A home doesn't have to be a dream. Let Diane make it a reality. You can contact us at www.goprime.com and search for Diane or call 919-624-9541. Go Prime Mortgage Incorporated Company, NMLS number 69551. Diane Kinlaw, NMLS number 1600777. Go Prime is an equal housing opportunity lender. Today's show sponsor, Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty, has a passion for serving clients and nearly a decade of industry experience as a top producing realtor and designer. Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty will help you reach your real estate goals. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, or renting in today's market, having an experienced real estate expert working for you is crucial. And don't forget to ask her about her Hometown Heroes credit for military, police, firefighters, teachers, and medical providers. Contact Jamie Tulac today at 559-707-1913. That's 559-707-1913. MRP certified.
1: It got really messy. <laughs> I love that. Really messy. I, I I probably I have a tendency to to go all in. Yeah. When when I really so get you're like excited. all
0: criminals, get on the bus, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Here's that, some sharp that, tools. It, this is going to be great. Was, um, <laughs> I,
1: I look back, and if I I would just shake my head at myself right now, looking back. Yeah. It,
0: it, Nobody understood your really good intentions. Yeah. You're like,
1: <laughs> um, I mean, there there were days when I had a crew. I had a guy that he'd been in 30 years and his first job out was with me but that wasn't enough so i'd have another guy that was on that same crew he'd been in 20 years and that was also his first day that wasn't enough so i had another kid who was 25 he'd also been in 10 years and it was also his first day And so you can imagine what the morning started like when I bring all these guys. First, I have to pick them all up from the various places. I bring them back to my house. I cook them breakfast and we'd have a devotional time. Mm -hmm. And that devotional time usually lasted a few hours, sometimes three hours, because these guys really need to be heard. It wasn't about anything that I was giving them. It was creating a place where they could share their story and be heard so that. They would want to listen and that we could go and actually do work and so there were many times when we were not very profitable but the work that was being done in the hearts of the men uh, had always been kind of the central heart and passion for for why i was doing what i was doing but that's not a very sustainable model
0: <laughs> so, so you're feeling great about what, who you're helping but you're just not getting a lot of work done is what you're not saying. a lot of work done <laughs> i
1: mean and yeah, it was just just exhausting. Did it ever create customer service issues? If I was on site, the guys knew and I would never leave anyone alone. I, I was really particular about caring for our customers you know, in the right way. And oh. at that time, I was doing a lot of new construction, which is a lot easier to manage with these guys. There were several guys that came in and really, really were able to grow. I had one guy come in who he'd broken his neck in college and gotten hooked on painkillers. And from there got hooked on heroin and from there robbed a bank and he came to work for me right after he gotten out of prison and he's a really sharp guy so it took a really long time to build up trust and to be able to speak to him and after a while he was like what you've done for me can we hire somebody else you know this is after a couple years And he was like, yeah, like when you came and did the intervention with my family and you came and met with my parole officer and you came to the, you know, this, can you do that for this guy? And I was like, no, but if you would like to, you know what this looks like, you can hire this guy. And that was a real, a turning point to see him step into that himself. So Mm -hmm. he took what he'd been taught, what he'd been given, and then he went and was discipling and hiring this other guy. And I think the verse it's in Ephesians or it says, you know, those that have stolen, put them to work with their hands. So they have something to give to those in need. And we read that one morning and he just, just struck him. He's like, that's me. I was a seafood stolen. You put me to work with my hands. And now I have something good to give to those that are in need. And I actually just spoke with him uh, two weeks ago and he's back at NC state after a long time. And we'll be graduating hopefully in May with his chemical engineering degree. That's awesome. Wow.
0: So you had one of those moments where the values and the mission of the organization become the values and the mission of the people inside of the organization. Now, how much time had passed from that decision that you were like, I want to see this happen more often when you're watching the two gentlemen working together to that moment where you're like, this guy personalized it, made it his own made the cause that you devoted your life to his cause. And even though he doesn't work there anymore, he's still doing that.
1: That was probably about two years, two years, lots of, lots of hard lessons learned in the middle of those two years. And, and since then, if you want to transition to kind of where, where we are today, I've never put out a help wanted ad. Uh, I don't even have a website, but Joe's working on it. So (laughs) I think your landscape. I love the fact that you don't even
0: have a website and you've been doing it for 10 years. (laughs) And In a big part of it, when we first met, he was his pitch at BNI, his elevator pitch was like, Hey, I'm super busy, but if you have a bunch of money and you want to do a job at this level, I got you. And I remember at one point, I was just telling him about being busy, and he told me a piece of advice that I've used, and it's helped me out a lot, which is like, When you're super busy, just raise your price (laughs) because you're super confident at that moment because you already have work to do. And that's really helped me out in the last year or so. Because I, I started out like many entrepreneurs, undervaluing my services and products. And so the fact that I was able to become busy and use that tactic to, to raise my prices has been a very impactful thing. But then I saw... In Thomas, uh, a transition happened when he decided to expand and add more crews that he's like, oh no, I can actually take on more work. And your, and your elevator pitch changed. It was about how much you love playing in the dirt and you can't believe you get paid to do this. And this is your, like your passion. And then it kind of switched to that plus, but I'm super busy. So if you want to spend $25,000 or more on an overhaul, come talk to me. And then now you've got a crew. So I was imagining somewhere in the, in the background, you were starting to figure out how to scale better and uh so talk to us about where you're at today now you have how many people
1: so i've got i think a crew of five or six we just had a new guy come in this mm-hmm. week and i mean that's really something that took off some hard i mean i was wearing a lot of hats yeah so it was, it was my my company i built this company right my name was going on everything so i had to be the, the main source of contact for my customers i had to be the one that was designing everything and right. then I wouldn't even trust anyone else to do the install because it had to have like my fingerprint of this is awesome. We designed this approval. And uh, over the last two year, two and a half years, I I travel a lot. My wife still lives in Brussels. And so I would spend, you know, six to eight weeks here and then two weeks overseas. And so being overseas and running a company here forced my hand to have to delegate well and to have to trust my guys to, to install things the way that you know they've been taught. And it's been awesome to let go. When I realized it's, it's not really my company and that I can, I can manage that well. Yeah. And so the, the guys that are on my crew now, that's a miraculous story on its own. Each, each one of them, two of them have said, I will turn down any, all offers and I will come work for you even at a lesser pay because I believe in what the Lord is doing in and through you and the company. And those are my strongest two guys currently. Yeah. Who not only are they skilled in in the work, but their heart is behind the mission. And so that mission has clarified tremendously over the last six months. Yeah. That landscaping was our vehicle for discipleship. And that that mission, knowing what we do and why we do what we do and how we do what we do. Has enabled others to get on board with that and to see that to say, I, yes, please sign, yeah. sign me up.
0: So I like that. You got clarity around it yourself, we're able to articulate it better. And then it helped those on your team and those really personalize it and understand it in a way that was intrinsically motivating them. And now they're really excited about coming to work and they'll turn down other jobs. I and mean, one of the things I'm really excited about with helping you with your website is helping tell that story. How do you, if at all, let your customers know that by hiring you as landscaping, they're also supporting these great things? Because we mentioned like Anderson Painting before, and they do a really good job, not in a boastful way, but letting people know like, we're passionate about this and thank you for doing business with us. That allows us to continue to do this thing and hire more refugees. And is there any way that you're currently trying to tell that narrative to your customers? No. So that's what I'm excited about with a website. We're going to do that. And
1: help people I, understand I, that. I've uh, enjoyed some anonymity, or just just staying quiet. You know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And sure. Not, not advertising, kind of the good works. Right. But what I've seen and been challenged on is that is not actually. I'm not supposed to hide under a basket, so to speak. And so there's times, many times, when I've shared with my customers, they they won't know. They'll think. I mean, I have them with Josh actually. You can tell this story if you want. I came over to do an estimate just for Josh and his wife, just on some trees in their backyard. And then, yeah, you want to you want to share where where that led to? Where it led to, as far as uh, well,
2: so in a nutshell, I'd made a mistake and I'd learned something valuable about marriage, and that was communicating. We were first time homeowners, and I had gone out into the backyard and made some decisions with my chainsaw.
0: <laughs> that were chainsaw decisions. Not so, Not didn't go over so well. The hours There's something that followed. about a man holding a chainsaw that it's really hard not to use said tool. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, There's yeah, yeah. a tree. It's my tree. <laughs> just my give me some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. There it is. <laughs>
2: yeah. It just kind of takes over the rationale, the <laughs> humility part of yourself. So I learned, I, I took out some trees that my, my, my wife had asked me not to, to, to fiddle with. And so I, it was actually the right decision from a landscaping point of view because they were growing too close together. So the roots were crowding out other roots. And so I knew this, but in respect to her, I was able to have already had the relationship with Thomas. So I asked him about his advice. He he comes out to check it out and gives a good survey of the land and some ideas. My wife was there and that was that was a that was a good move. She felt confident about his abilities to do something, but we didn't realize how how important it would be moving forward to have that remedied. In meeting Thomas's crew, there was a, a special bond there with those folks and but on top of that, there was a generosity. Thomas had, had provided even an extra tree in the deal that that was something that was a surprise. and that tree now is a great place for my new found passion for birds. These birds are now in this tree
1: before they go to the feeder. The redbud tree, it's a special tree. It's purple Mm -hmm. now. Client meetings and and meeting with customers provides access to to be able to to bless people in unexpected ways. And that may be through doing a project for someone, you know, pro bono, where they don't expect it. Or it's spending time with someone who really needs to chat a whole lot more than they actually need their landscaping. And I've, I've ended up sitting and praying and crying with customers before... And I was just there to look at the trees.
0: Well, we didn't pray and cry together. We just prayed together. You <laughs> <laughs> almost said it like you missed out. Like, we didn't pray and cry together. I know, right? Like, well, these other you come people back? are getting better service <laughs> than me. <we. laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned before that you were enjoying anonymity. Your customers don't really know that all this stuff is going on in the background, but you were beginning to learn and understand that that might be a m- tactical mistake. So talk to us more about why you think that might be a tactical mistake now. Because I think you were pretty adamant about that before. The fact that you had survived in business, a successful business, where you were constantly booked and you were like, I'm not even having a website. Like, that's how under the radar I'm going. Mm -hmm. Not even a Google page listing, not a Facebook account.
1: I'd even tell my customers, don't give my name out.
0: It was a big deal for you (laughs) to, I think, to ask me to make you some business cards. I think that was like a big step. Yes. So how did you get from there to... Now this is a story that you want to tell.
1: I don't even know if it's a story that I I want to tell, but I think it's something that needs to be told. Yeah. I was telling my wife, I prior to this week, if you'd asked me, Josh, would you come on our podcast? I would have said no. Um, because I would not have enjoyed the public setting of being able to share. And yet what I'm learning is it was, it was my own pride of wanting to be a self funded, self sustaining ministry just going out and, and doing good works that has been robbing other people of the opportunity to participate in what the lord is doing you know through yeah our our company our ministry i've had people over the years say hey i want to support you can i help and i'd be like no 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 we don't take donations you know will come to my house and, like find something to do so i can you know help you out and i i can share this i guess good soul ministries has been on my heart for a long time as something, it's kind of the name that I good, would use. Good Soil? Good Soil Ministries, uh-huh. yeah. Like the name that I would use if I was journaling, or if I was writing, or if I would share a picture, I'd just be like Good Soil Ministries, you know, hard at work. And about a month ago, it just hit me. I said, why would I not start Good Soil Ministries? Like, wh- why would that not be something that I would do? And so that launched me into this whole new realm of of asking for help.
0: There is this notion that it's boastful to talk about your values because it feels like to some people that it's almost like, well, my values are neener or neener. or or kind of, it feels like that as a business owner. But what you're describing, matches up with what I've heard from other people. When you come to the realization that other people would rather do business, if they're going to get landscaping done, there is a certain set of people in the triangle that would love to give their business to support somebody that shares their values Mm -hmm. and if they knew that there's this organization that believes in helping people coming out of prison or people in halfway homes or people trying to get back on their feet they have to spend this money anyways in in their landscaping they get to get a twofer they get to get their landscaping done which is a checkbox on their list which is kind of cool because yeah, I got something done, but then they also get to do something that lines up with their values, that changes the way they think about themselves, and they get to join you in their mission, and so they're not just buying landscaping, they're, they're making a difference in the lives of people that are coming out of prison, and in halfway homes, and people that need discipleship, and the things that you're excited about doing, and it gives them the opportunity to partner with you in that aspect, and I think that is becoming more and more common when people are making decisions on who they want to do business with. I would much rather give my money to this company that does these things in addition than a company that just only does this. And I believe that most businesses, even if they haven't clearly articulated, have that, but they just haven't told people that mm. and haven't afforded them the opportunity to, to do something that they really wanted to do anyways, which is live, live up to their values and what they believe the difference they should be making in the world. And uh, I think that's such a cool realization that you went through to say like, no, I'm actually robbing people of an opportunity to do something that they really wanted to do, but they're not set up to do it in the same way that I'm set up to do it. By actually starting to talk about it in in that early stage, you're kind of creating this ground. So, Have you found people that are really excited about the idea now that you've kind of
1: changed your mentality? So many people. Yeah. I ran into a lady who's a, a previous customer from years ago. And uh, she said, oh, how's everything going? How's, you know, she knows kind of what we do with ministry stuff. I've shared selectively with people over the years.
0: Thomas has one of those logos, if you don't know, that's got a cross kind of hidden in there. Like if you really look, you can see it. And so I think that's like the only way people could have known kind of like, what's that symbol that they used to use in early Christianity, the the fish, the fish, fish they used to draw it in the sand. So people would know
1: (laughs) even getting a cross on my logo took a lot because I never wanted to pull at the heartstrings of anyone to get them to do business with me. I wanted our work and the quality of our work to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And then once we were on site, once we're working with someone, then I would feel comfortable sharing, here's why we do what we do. Uh,
2: There was a time in my life when I put the cart way before the horse. Was there a time in your life, was that back in the prodigal days that you put the cart before the horse, or is it just an innate sort of... I've I've always just wanted
1: to be very...
2: That's your nature ever since. very, very...
1: Authentic. Right. So wanting to really live up to what what it is that I'm actually doing and not pretend as though I'm doing something that isn't actually happening.
0: Or it feels like some people will use their causes or their values as a way to manipulate. And I think that can kind of come across in, in the marketing or just meeting the person or mm-hmm. they feel disingenuous. And I think that's a big concern that people have. And probably one of the main reasons people have that hurdle yeah. of not wanting to bring it up often because they don't want to come across as manipulative. Well, like, come, it comes down to personality types, doesn't
2: yeah. it? So you're a Thomas. You, need, you quoted the doubting Thomas. I wonder if there <laughs> are any Thomases who are opposite of you Yeah. who are just like gung-ho, cart before horse people. <laughs> so it's yeah. in your nature. So God chose you. Because he knew you'd be a good steward of that. I think
0: to continue the biblical analogy, you got your Peters. Like the guy that are just going to, yeah, let's do it. Chopping off this dude's ear right now. Yeah, let's do it. it. We're fighting. We're doing it.
1: (laughs) This lady that I met, was, she asked for my address. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We don't don't need anything. It's fine. And she said, no, I would like your address. And so I waited three days. And I said, okay, fine. So I I texted. I said, hey, thank you. Like just you offering to help actually was enough. But here's my address. I will keep you updated on, on how things go.
0: Did you give her the real address, Thomas? I did. Give her my <laughs> address. The PO box. One, and two, three, any street, USA. <laughs>
1: she sent me a check uh, for a substantial amount of money written out to me personally in the tagline for Good Soil Ministries.
0: Mm. And but then it and, felt real.
1: And it, it was just like, okay, well, the Lord's clearly said, here's what this money's for. Here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to send people to, to support you in this process, but it's going to be something that I'm going to do. Not something that you're going to do for me. It's something that we're going to do together. And that that's exciting and terrifying all at the same time.
0: But also really energizing. I'd have to imagine.
1: It was almost too good. Like when something's so so good it's it's like i almost don't want to share it because it feels so special Mm -hmm. but that's part of what the lord's doing in my heart is leading me to share more of what he's doing to encourage others so
0: so i think this this past customer is probably an example of a bunch of your customer base that really want to get involved in the things that they find exciting about the way you conduct your business but Without letting them know or have an opportunity, like you were saying, to use your word, which I think is a strong word, was your word. You were robbing them of the opportunity Uh to do something that they really wanted to do, but again, didn't know where to put those funds. Landscaping is the vehicle. And by the way, from everything I've heard from people that have used you, you're fantastic at the vehicle side of it. You have never advertised and been able to sustain a business for 10 years. I think that speaks to the quality of work that's going out there because it has to be all word of mouth then. That's the only way that people heard about you. It's almost like a, Thomas is like the speakeasy of landscaping clubs yeah. in, the, in the triangle. It's like if you get his number, he's like, how'd you get this number?
1: That's, that's, <laughs> that's actually what I would do. I would like, Where'd you get my number?
0: What's the next steps for you? Like, what are you excited about? You said a lot of this has been happening in the last couple of months.
1: It's really pressing into what, what this looks like to, to step into a nonprofit world, to, to be a good steward of, of what it is that we're doing. We're changing the model for how we do the business before it'd be one really healthy guy and, you know, three really unhealthy guys trying to slog through a day and get good work done. And now we're going to have three solid guys that their heart is behind the mission. They know what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, and they're really good at what they do. So that when someone gets brought into a crew uh, from wherever background, and maybe they're just there for a day. Maybe they're there for a few days, maybe they're there for some weeks they will enter into a culture where we do excellent work. That's really high quality. We take pride in what we do and we honor the Lord in every bit of that. I'm excited um, because the crew that I have is excited to, to step into that and to do ministry in that way. And like I said, I get phone calls. I have a new guy that just started this week who he called me. I said, well, how'd you get my number? He said, I, I don't know. I know some guy from somewhere he said to call you and. I said, Well, uh, tell me about your experience. And he's like, told me a few things. And I said, Well, just so you know, here's, here's who we are and here's what we do. And I said, My real heart and passion is to help guys to understand like what your natural gifts and talents are, how you're spiritually wired, and then for you to live out the calling the Lord has for you. And whether that's landscaping or whether that's something else, like what we want to be is a, a place where you can come and then go and do uh, exactly what you need to do. And over the years, that's led to me having guys come in and one guy wanted to be a mechanic and he worked for me for a while and I knew he wanted to work on cars and he came in one day and I said, Hey, you're not working with me today. And I dropped him off at a mechanic shop and I said, your start here. And he's like, well, what about the work we had to do? I said, no, no, you want to be a mechanic. I know the owner. He just hired you on my word. So go and be a mechanic. And so for me to be able to take guys in to really identify who they are, yeah. help them to learn that, give them the skills they need to go out and be successful, and work with an open hand. That's exciting. Like that. Wow. That gets me fired up. And so we just had a new guy come on who he was just he just got a phone call and you know, he just started this week and I'm excited to see where the Lord takes that journey. I love asking
0: this question because there's there's a ton of stuff in your story, very interesting and compelling and I love where you're at right now in your story and very excited for you and Landscape Solutions and what could become of Good Soil Ministries and all those awesome things. But if you could borrow the DeLorean from back to the future and in that you get 60 seconds to go back to any point in your past and tell young Thomas something, what do you think you would tell him? What advice would you give and what time in your life would you go back to?
1: I wouldn't change a thing.
0: So you'd Uh, go back and just like hit hit him with a spitball.
1: Yeah. Because (laughs) I, I look at the journey that my life has taken and even some of the worst things I would describe as the best, worst thing that ever happened to me that I wouldn't wish on anyone else. But had I not made those choices, I wouldn't be who I am today. And so I do not think I would change a thing.
0: Yeah. So how would you define success then? Like if you could fast forward and wave a magic wand, it's two years in the future. Good soil ministries is everything you want it to be. What does it look like?
1: Hmm. It's not even about what I want it to be. I think success would look at me being joyful, obedient, doing whatever the Lord has for me each day, not necessarily thinking 10 years in the future. I've got dreams. I mean, I could I could project the, what I see could be. I mean, I'd love to have maybe some property, have a house, be able to house guys, be able to have them in training, be a resource for other small businesses, for guys that are mm-hmm. you know, going through training, and then they go out and they're discipled as an electrician, as a painter. Have a retreat center for for people to come and just be, you know, create a thin space where people can interact with the Holy Spirit in life giving ways. I mean, I could dream for yeah. days and days and days.
0: Well, that's not called dreaming when you're running a nonprofit. That's called casting vision.
1: Yeah, my wife is is very talented as well in in her musical gifting. And so, what has the Lord called us to do together? And, and what does that look like when she's you know here in the states and we are doing life together and creating a life? it's worth living. So
0: normally this is the part of the podcast where I say, Hey Thomas, where can people find you? <laughs> and we're not quite there yet, but we have a domain.
1: We do have a domain. I, I still need to get you. The yeah, access I know. To the domain. <laughs> I, I think currently, currently it'll be your
2: Your landscape solution. Uh, You're speaking at a, a men's conference coming up, a men's retreat. I'm going to be there. It's in March. And as of this going live, this will be in time. We can plug it. So can you talk a little about the Soli conference? I could, but it's
1: not necessarily something that we advertise.
2: Okay, so, so let's so just scratch that whole entire part, Joe. Right? <laughs> uh, I,
1: can, I can speak briefly about it. I, we're full, so it's booked completely, so there's no no way for anyone to say. No it way. Out. It seems okay. to be
0: like the theme of that, like how'd yeah. you get this number? This <laughs> <laughs> it's full.
2: It's going to be awesome, but That's it's full. Great. <laughs> Everything you're a part of is like <laughs> secret society, bro. I love it. <laughs>
1: Um, the
0: landscape Illuminati, but it, but there are available <laughs>
1: ones in the future, so folks should. Yeah, know so Soully Business is an organization started out of Atlanta um, years ago. How do you uh, spell Soli? S O U L Y. Okay, business. I figured
0: people might need to know how to spell that if they want to look uh, it up.
1: And now there's chapters operating in Atlanta, California, uh, Canada, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Tennessee, and West Virginia and North Carolina.
2: Don't miss any. Did you miss any? I've missed you, many. You, you said all of them.
1: I think that's where oh, they oh, are. Yeah, okay. okay. Canada. Yeah. Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, yeah. just, I oh, actually Canada. got the opportunity to go up and speak in Canada recently, which was just so great. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, it was fun because I wasn't in my home market. Yeah. So I'm up in Canada. I'm not worried about someone hiring me. Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a talk for the weekend on work of faith and I don't ever want to do that talk because I'm not one to self-promote. And so, so
0: you got, you got. You didn't have to do your pitch because it didn't matter because you're not driving to Canada. So it felt very freeing to you. Oh, it was, it was incredible. I
1: could, I could speak openly at exactly how and why we do what we do. And the room was full of about 175 guys, a lot of them small business owners. And I probably had 30 or 40 guys come up and say, I needed to hear what you said. Like, thank you. Like, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to take that back to my guys. And I even got an email later, a guy said, hey, I was at the John Deere dealer show up here. And a couple of guys were like talking about what you said. They're out there doing that with their companies. Like, thank you. And I was like, all, all I did was go and toss out some seeds.
0: I think a lot of people don't realize how much farming has played a role in our culture, and our vernacular, even like the term broadcast television is actually a farming term for taking a handful of seed and throwing them it's Mm. broadcasting and you're saying I'm just planting seeds it's just such a part of who we are I love the metaphor of it
2: and thank you for the chocolates from Estonia or Brussels that when I was laid up my first couple weeks after surgery Thomas and Ryan Medlin show up and he brought me a bag of chocolates from Europe
0: from Estonia from
2: Estonia thank you so much for being a part of that because we my family and I enjoyed that
0: thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about landscape solutions and if somebody wanted to do business with you here in the triangle, they're listening to this, you got a phone number they could call that you would answer and ask them how they got this, and then you would you would accept <laughs> the answer of the guys who do stuff podcasts as eight, a valid reason to do eight, business six, with you. The real number, Tom. Uh 919-710-4289. All right. It has been awesome talking to you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody have a great day.
1: Yes. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today?